0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the 25 Five Eight SportsCast, episode 77. I'm your host, Tommy Fink, and alongside me today, as usual, is
1: my lovely assistant, Jet Rosenstein. Jet, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excited for another episode of this great podcast. We're bringing on, I believe it's only our second guest that we've had on this podcast. Maybe three. I I, I may have lost track. I don't know how I would have. Uh, only Only two or three guests, but nonetheless um this is gonna be a great episode a lot of stuff to get into i'm excited tommy why don't you uh introduce our guest
0: well yeah as Jed alluded to obviously i'm not only with my lovely assistant we are now with a lovely guest and that is jb fantasy best known for his fantasy football tiktoks jb how are you doing today
2: i'm doing great you know i'm excited to be here excited to talk about some stuff with you guys and this is a great opportunity
0: Good. Well, we're very glad to have you and, you know, if you want to give us a little bit of your resume, kind of the videos you t- you like to make on TikTok, um just give us a quick rundown
2: of that. So for sure, I've been creating TikTok content since the summer of 2021, primarily fantasy football content. I create sort of longer style videos, ranking style videos with like player highlights in the back, my analysis. Um I prefer to take fantasy from more of a statistical point of view. Mm-hmm. I really like to kind of point out like different ways that different players can be good. And I've built up a small reputation on TikTok from just being able to give decent fantasy advice, I guess. And it's been a lot of fun for sure. I've enjoyed the ride. I, I
1: actually yeah, have a question I, if I could just ask him, Tom, because I, I like, I like to take a similar approach as far as looking at the numbers and, and making a lot of my decisions based off of that. Actually, I actually have a, JDR metric patent pending as Tommy Tommy knows, but is there is there certain statistics, fantasy football related statistics that you take a look at, or just NFL statistics you take a look at to kind of um make better decisions when you're you know going through drafts or you know throughout your leagues?
2: The main thing that I'll always take a look at is opportunity. I think opportunity is king, and I know that the thing that people and this is what I address a lot of my content is in season based like trade advice and the thing that I'll always tell people is it's more important to get a guy who's getting like this huge amount of opportunities for game but is underperforming with it and you would be expecting him to do more than a guy that's overperforming with less and that's something that a lot of people fail to see with fantasy and that can really help you in the long run, if you're able to recognize those like low by low windows mm-hmm. early and take advantage of them.
0: Honestly, that's really interesting because yeah. that 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 immediately brings me to a question because I can't remember very well. Were you a Najee Harris guy last season at any point? I
2: was a Najee Harris guy in the off season, and that game- I drafted
0: him fifth overall. That's why I ask.
2: Yeah. yeah, he was a guy that I was really in on had a lot of different reasons you know like going into year two all the volume you know they short up the offensive line a little bit I was excited obviously I don't think anyone could have expected the fall off that he had but that was definitely I was definitely a nausea truther I will take my L and that was probably my biggest L of the whole offseason <laughs> Last offseason, I I was a dodgy guy. I was preaching him for sure.
0: I think I think most people were honestly. Yeah. Like I think, like Jet told me it was a great pick when I took him at five. Yeah. just for the record.
1: <laughs> and, and, and I mean, looking back on it, it wasn't it wasn't an awful pick. He ended up picking things up towards the end of the season. Obviously, not he didn't return the value that you drafted him to be. But
0: wow. I mean,
1: he was still he was still a, an RB two uh, most most of the points towards the later part of the season. But um. I mean, I for me, like a guy that I pinpointed that Tommy knows, and I, I'm still gonna, still gonna love this guy. <laughs> DeAndre Swift probably felt a little bit more than Najee Harris uh, yeah. uh, over the past year. Um, I don't know. I don't know what your take on him was uh, last off season <laughs> compared to Najee Harris, or however, however you want to summarize that. But I'm just curious because I'm a big DeAndre Swift truther still to this day. <laughs> i
2: was definitely in on deandre swift i was actually in on him even the year before as okay. well because i've had this is my third off season posting fantasy content on tiktok okay. and for both of the first two i was big on deandre swift i was really honed in on the receiving volume yeah. that he was getting with Goff. i was really excited by that and i 100 did not expect one for Amon Ra to continue to ascend into like an actual wide receiver, one taking away that like short intermediate volume away from Swift in the passing game, and also Jamal Williams just like scoring the most touchdowns in
1: football. I didn't expect (laughs) that was brutal.
2: Yeah, he had a lot stacked up against him
0: last year, that's for sure. Um. So here's what we have on tap for you guys today. Obviously, while we have JB with us, and JB Fantasy is his TikTok. If you guys are listening and want to go check it out, JB Fantasy, just how it sounds. JB, the letter is not spelling it out if you're stupid. But <laughs> what we have on tap while he is with us is we're going to go through, and first of all, let me preface this. I don't care if you think it's too early for football because it's never too early for football. No. We'll be talking about our mock first round. So we're going to kind of go tit for tat here. Jet's going to give us his twelve. I'm gonna give you guys my 12. JB's gonna give you his 12, and then we're gonna get to do that all the way through the first round, and uh, it'll obviously make sense as soon as we get through it. And then after we have to say goodbye to the lovely JB Fantasy, Jet and I are gonna get into our top 10 center fielders heading into the 2023 season. We know Jet's gonna include some left fielders and right That's fielders tough. in this one, but either way, they're outfielders nonetheless most of the time. So Jet, yes. go ahead and get us started. Mock first round, who are you taking at the one twelve if a fantasy draft happened right now? I, I feel
1: I feel a little bit of pressure because I have you know JB fantasy here, and I, I know he obviously knows a lot more than I do. So I think right off the bat here, Very I, think true. I, I think I can get some eyeballs raised here. But for number twelve for me, it was it was tough. I, I think you can make an argument, at least for me for a bunch of guys. Uh but the theme really and I, I think it'll be a consensus among majority of fantasy football players, but I have a lot of wide receivers in this first round and it's not really what we've seen a lot in years past, just because with the the running backs have in, in terms of the scarcity, I've always been a, a thing to get your running back early and then worry about the receiver position later on. Uh, but number 12 for me is going to be Stefan Diggs of the wow. Buffalo Bills. This was a guy that had a outstanding season finished the fourth wide receiver in PPR formats. Uh, 1400 receiving yards 11 touchdowns um this was after a wide receiver seven finish in 2021 and a wide receiver three finish in 2020 so ever since he's gotten to buffalo he's been as consistent as any receiver in fantasy and you still have him with josh allen going into next season and that that connection will still be there um and i, I think he'll continue to produce high and wide receiver one numbers going forward
0: yeah. I can't argue with that pick except by telling you it's the wrong one at number 12 who I'm taking jet and JB I'm taking last year's running back three in PPR formats. And that is Josh Jacobs. I think the only reason this guy really slides down my board is kind of the offseason, like him, not necessarily knowing where he's going to be. And we don't really know what the Raiders offense is going to look like come next season just yet. And you know, that, that, Obviously, me saying that, you guys will see me have Devontae Adams pretty low on this list as well. Um, but for right now, Josh Jacobs, while with all the questions around him, slides down my board a little bit. But nonetheless, he's definitely still a first-round pick, in my opinion. Give me Josh Jacobs
2: at 12. So I'm taking a different approach than both of you guys with my 12th pick. I think that when you're picking at the back end of the first round, something that's really important. Is trying to find that like home run pick because you're picking twice. And I think that at the back end of the first round, you can have that home run pick and the consistent pick. And my home run pick at pick 12 is Kenneth Walker. Wow. He exploded onto the scene after Rashad Penny went down with injury. He was a top 10 fantasy back on a per game basis pretty much the rest of the season. And he did that as a rookie in a year when he wasn't expected to be the starter at any point. I mean, before Penny went down, he wasn't getting significant volume in any of those four weeks. As soon as Penny goes down, he's an RB2, low-end RB1 the rest of the way. And with Geno Smith coming back to Seattle and the team staying relatively consistent from last year, I trust that the offense will still be as high-powered. And Kenneth Walker going into his second year, knowing that he's a star now, knowing that he's the guy now, I think he's capable of putting up an amazing rushing season and also getting some pretty decent passing work as well.
1: Question for you, Mm -hmm. and and you just mentioned the passing work. I think that's probably a big concern with with Kenneth Walker. Will he see enough passing work, especially in a PPR format? I mean, only had 27 receptions last year. He was a guy I thought about putting at 12, but I didn't include him for that fact. Do you think he'll see more work in the passing game going into his second year?
2: I think so, just because I think that he's capable. I think that he's a guy, even without the passing work, he could still probably return value on a 12th overall selection just because I think he's going to have a monster rushing season. I think he could contend for the rushing crown. But I think that when you have that type of guy on your team and you don't have a reliable passing down guy who you know is going to steal work, like we saw with Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines, the Seahawks don't have a Naeem Hines. I think that when it comes down to it, you can trust Kenneth Walker with enough passing volume for him to get by as a fantasy RB one
1: Okay, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, uh, number 11 for me. Um, a guy that, just like Tommy mentioned, probably probably low, but because of the situation, it, it kind of makes sense at this point in his career. Devontae Adams, wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, we, we know what he's done the past couple of years. One, two, three are his wide receiver finishes um, in PPR formats. Obviously, no more Derek Carr is going to be quarterbacked by Jimmy Garoppolo. But this is a guy that's gonna get still get a ton of volume and the touchdowns will be there as well. I mean, he's had double digit touchdowns each of the past three years. Um, I think it's a safe bet. You know, if you're looking for a safe bet in the first round, I get that he's getting into his 30s, but um, he's still one of the more dominant players in the league.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go with the definition of safe bet here, my friends. Give me Travis Kelsey at number eleven. Okay. Seven years in a row as tight end one or two. Okay nine years in a row as a top 10 tight end and 10 years in a row as a top 505 tight end. I think that really speaks volumes in PPR formats. Um, Here's the thing, Travis Kelsey, he's getting old and every player I've ever seen play football for a long period of time has been injured. That's why I just, I cannot, I cannot bring myself to draft him top three, top four, top five. I just can't because I know at some point in his career he will get injured, and if he doesn't, it's a miracle, and I'm too scared of it. JB, thoughts?
2: So with both of you I saw the
0: face you made there. I saw the face yeah, you made there. With the Kelsey
2: <laughs> pick, I think that the more important part of what you just said is how dominant he's been as a tight end, not the injury risk part, because people who were focused on injury risk last year missed out on McCaffrey. They missed out on Saquon, and I think that people – have been counting down with guys like Travis Kelsey and Derrick Henry. They've been counting down every year. This is the year they fall off. This is the year they get hurt. And it just doesn't happen. And I think that Kelsey is a guy like he's in the running for the greatest tight end of all time. When you have a guy like that, you can kind of bypass those typical father time, typical injury, like notions that you have in your head For when they'll fall off because I think he has at least another year or two or maybe even three of elite production left in him so he's higher up on my list I don't have Devontae Adams on my list like Jet. I would put him literally at 13 or 14 with Stephon Diggs I don't have either of them just because like I said with picking 12th like home run pick consistent pick I would have them as the consistent pick at the beginning of the second round and my other home run pick at pick 11 is going to be Tony Pollard wow Tony Pollard he was a fantasy RB1 last year with Ezekiel Elliott in the mix games that Zeke missed I mean he pops off he he has a top three finish when Zeke is out and I think that people are overblowing his injury he injured his ankle freak accident it's not something that you're looking at like oh he's injury prone now and with the recovery timetable it's a four to six month injury recovery timetable And it's going to be eight months by week one. So I don't think there's going to be any year one off injury rust. I think he's going to be completely good to go firing on all cylinders. And they cut Zeke that shows their confidence in Tony Pollard and Tony Pollard also needs to have some confidence in himself. He's playing on the franchise tag. He wants to prove that he actually deserves the type of contract that the Cowboys gave Zeke a couple of years back. I think he's just going to have a monster year producing in that offense because we know he can tear it up on the air. I mean, in the air and on the ground.
1: Does it worry you that there's been a lot of rumors that the Cowboys are looking at drafting Bijan Robinson? Would, would them adding, even if it's not Bijan Robinson, if they add someone of of note, does that affect where you would have Pollard on your list?
2: One hundred percent. I
1: have factored
2: in those kind of worries with a bunch of different players on my list for my list. I think that if the Cowboys can complete the entire NFL draft process and not draft a noteworthy power running back to pair with Pollard, like all of a sudden I'm all in, I'm pushing Pollard like top seven, top six, top five, just because if they can prove that they're that confident in him, that they don't take one of those running backs, like, like, man, we got to watch out. But if they do draft one, he would definitely lose value for me, probably become like a lower second round pick, maybe even a third round pick. If they get Bijan Robinson. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, could, I, I love to hear the positives. I have Tony Pollard in the Dynasty League, so I, I'm all for that. But, Tommy, what yeah. were you going to say? Well,
0: I was just going to say, like, I mean, because Zeke sniped all Pollard's touchdowns when Zeke was healthy. So, would Bijan Robinson, you, you still think third round is a good target area for Pollard? If they do, go ahead and grab one of those power guys?
2: 100%, just because going into last year, people were low on Pollard. I think his ADP was in the running back 40s range and he finishes as like the rb9 excuse me if i'm wrong on that i think the rb9 in ppr formats even with zeke stealing the touchdowns so you have to factor in that consistency and i'm not saying he'll repeat that because he did have a lot of big plays like he did have stuff that's hard to repeat but he's also a big play producing type of player explosive that yeah you can count on him to be consistent, even if they get a guy like Bijan. And if they don't, then the sky's completely the limit for sure.
1: Mm. Jet All right. number 10? Number 10 for me is going to be Josh Jacobs of, of the Raiders, Uh, guy that had an outstanding season last year. I'm not going to get too much you know, into him just because Tommy talked about him, but um, he's going to continue to get the volume. He's going to have plenty of opportunities to score touchdowns. Um, He's, he's well worth a first-round pick just because also, like you saw – He saw 50-plus receptions for the second year in a row. I think if he stays along that track, um, he's enough to be worthy of being a first-round pick in a PPR format.
0: Number 10 for me is Stefan Diggs, and he just shot up my board recently uh, with the news of the best receiver in the room, Isaiah McKenzie, coming over to my Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Thankfully, Stefan Diggs will no longer have to compete with those targets, and they're all his now. So Stefan Diggs. As Jet mentioned, obviously has been insanely consistent. Um, Jet and I seem to be thinking very similarly throughout this draft so far. We could have some some issues in a future draft coming we
1: won't, up. We but... won't be we won't be thinking similar for long though. I, I don't think that will be the case.
2: Number ten, Stefan Diggs. So for me, unfortunately, it's going to be boring. I have the same number ten selection as Jet. I have Josh Jacobs. People are low on him this offseason, season. For reasons that I don't understand, it's the same type of thing that happened with Amon Ra, and I did make the mistake with Amon Ra, I had him lower than I should have going into last year's draft. When a player shows that they have a new role and they're producing like an elite player with it, there's no reason to just outright assume that they won't A, have that same role the next year, or B that they won't produce the same way josh jacobs was the rb3 last year so you could argue that even picking him 10th is a little bit low for him as honestly a value because you go from eric Carr to jimmy g i mean nothing really changes in terms of production at the quarterback position you have exact same coach josh mcdaniels you have the exact same talent in josh jacobs he didn't sustain a major injury he didn't have anything altering his career path. He's playing on the franchise tag, which means he's basically having the same contract year motivation that he had last year that everyone was like, oh, Jacobs went crazy because he's in a contract year. He's basically in a contract year again. Same system. There's no reason. They saw that in the games where they fed Jacobs, they were winning those games. I think there's no reason he doesn't get the same receiving volume that Jet was talking about and doesn't produce like he's a league again.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at my list, and I'm like, for the first time in a while, I'm happy with whoever I take out of the first round, I feel like. So, so having Jacobs at 12 definitely isn't a diss. I know yeah. uh, uh, we got a Raider fan here, I understand. <laughs> um, Josh Jacobs, he's still good,
1: all right? My, my fault. Number nine, Jay. Number nine, yeah, I wish I could have put this guy in number one. I couldn't do it. Uh, Tyreek Hill of the miami dolphins my miami dolphins what a year from him in 2022 uh set a career high in in receptions and targets and yards um at double digit touchdowns uh this is a guy that's going to continue to get fed in a very dynamic miami dolphins offense i don't care how many times to under throws him or whatever he does he's going to find ways to continue to build off those yards after the catch which is gets where he gets the bulk of his fantasy points from and I mean, it's going to be another outstanding player to have on your fantasy team in 2023. Okay, number nine for me is a wide
0: receiver heading into his 10th year in the league, and that is Devontae Adams, another Raider. Here's my thing with Devontae Adams. I am slightly worried about Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the football. Yes, they have same, similar outputs. Jimmy G and Derek Carr, similar outputs. Um, but I feel like the play designs were very, very, very different between San Francisco and Las Vegas. I think Devontae Adams is the type of player that will easily be able to adapt and, you know, be able to use Jimmy G's strengths, you know, like the short route, get open in space, make a move. But Derek Carr, a lot of the times when Devontae Adams would eat with Derek Carr, it was like Adams broke loose downfield and he's open, he's got 15 yards of separation. Derek Carr dropped it in his basket. It's a 60-yard touchdown. Good night. And then... I don't know if we'll see that with Devontae Adams. So that's why I would have him a little higher, actually, even though he's 30 now. I would actually have him in the top six, seven. But just because of that one concern, Devontae Adams is coming in at nine
2: for me. I do understand, just to touch on your analysis there, I understand the concern, but I think that you could even... Now, I do have Devontae Adams out of my top 12, so I'm not saying that your concern isn't valid, but... I think that you could maybe flip that around and say he produced at an elite level when Derek Carr clearly wasn't too, too comfortable in the Josh McDaniels scheme. And Jimmy Garoppolo only ever made it to San Francisco because he excelled as a backup when given opportunities in the Josh McDaniels scheme in New England. So you could also spin it the other way. And be right. like, oh, well, now Devontae Adams has a quarterback that traits-wise is similar, production-wise is similar, and knows the system better. So, Very true. You could still see an amazing wide receiver one year out of Devontae Adams. I mean, I have him right at 13. I wouldn't be mad if you moved him anywhere up into like the top seven. So
0: when you were talking about the wraparound, so your ideal, like you had the 12th pick, you take the home run with Ken Walker, and then you turn around and grab Devontae Adams for consistency. That would be your ideal turn.
2: Yeah, if I'm picking 10, 11, or 12, I'm just trying to go home run consistency yeah. so i would go pollard and Diggs or pollard and adams right. walker and Diggs, mm-hmm. walker and adams and at 10 i have a more con- i mean sorry nine i have a more home run level pick but even though he's a home run level pick he's still consistent and that's why he's this high and i have jamar chase i think that this is the year that he likely makes that Offensive Player of the Year type of leap that we saw from Justin Jefferson. I don't have much to back up that take. It's just kind of one of those, like, eye tests, like, he has the dog in him takes. Like, Jamar Jamar is that guy. And I think (laughs) that he just goes nuclear this year. I was crafting this list up, and, I mean, I considered moving him as high as number five. I have him at 9 For now, but as the offseason goes on, like if we see him like going crazy at training camp, like maybe the Bengals move on from T Higgins, like a lot of stuff could move him like incredibly higher up on my board
1: for sure. I think this is his floor. Number eight for me, Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants, a guy that you know m- many people were concerned about. Tommy was one of them, and because and of the injury concerns, and obviously they're still a concern. They're they're concerned with anyone that plays football because it can happen at any given time. And I think with Saquon, the reason why I have him a little bit lower, um, I I think it's possible that if the Giants add a few more weapons in terms of their receiver room, he could see a little bit dip in his in his receiving volume. They already added Darren Waller. Um, what's not to say they're not going to add another wide receiver in the draft um, and then and as far as you know the, the Giants offensive line obviously that's another that's always been a concern but for Saquon he's been able to overcompensate with that issue and I mean he's still a fantastic player he's still a first round pick um, guy I was extremely high on last year um, you know a little bit lower on but he you know, the production that he puts out last year and I think it's going to be very similar uh but a little bit of a dip in 2023
2: so I'd like to touch on that Saquon analysis real quick and I think that at this point in the offseason the Giants got Darren Waller maybe they get Odell maybe they draft someone Mm -hmm. but other than that there aren't going to be any other major additions made to the receiver room I think it's pretty clear that they're out of the DeAndre Hopkins race at this point And so I think that these more minor additions to the receiving room, they won't, they may take away from Saquon's receiving volume a bit, but what I think they'll do more, and you'll see why Saquon is higher on my list later in the episode. I think that the Giants getting Waller and receiver help will actually help benefit Saquon's fantasy value because Saquon just faces so many stacked boxes. He's the whole offense. And when you get those guys, to help unlock Daniel Jones a little bit more, unlock the passing game a little bit more. All of a sudden, defenses, they can't hone in on Saquon as much, and his efficiency, I think, is going to skyrocket. But he's still going to get elite volume because he's still Saquon. He's still in that contract here. He still has the connection with Brian Dable, and I think that he will have a top-rate finish this year. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I wanted to touch on that too, actually, to go with JB's point. I think a great idea for the Giants offense scheme-wise would be you know, they go out and grab a speed threat in Paris Campbell, send him on some end arounds, completely if the box is stacked, though outside obviously isn't. So if you can send him outside, you gain 20 yards the first play of the game with Paris Campbell, run Saquon into the box three times and then do it again. All of a sudden they back off and Saquon can absolutely eat. At least that's 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 a, that's in a perfect world. Number eight for me, I'm going with a homer pick, Jet. And you know who it is. It's this beautiful man right here—it's the, it's the most beautiful man in all of sports, Jonathan Taylor. And this is, this is an eye test—I gotta tell you, it's a complete eye test. Jonathan Taylor absolutely exploded onto the scene. Even his rookie year, people don't even realize that he was this RB six in PPR formats. People didn't even like notice that. Um, and then obviously, we all know about his RB one season a year ago. Last season, I, I don't take it to account as a Colts fan. I just don't. Uh, a lot of injuries, even when he was healthy or quote healthy, he was on the field. He had a step slower. He was a step slower for sure. Um, his vision we know is great. I just think he wasn't healthy at all last season. Even when he was on the field, he looked very slow. He looked sluggish. He didn't look into it. It's hard to look into it when you're three and 12. Um, but uh, give me Jonathan Taylor, number eight.
2: So, I have Jonathan Taylor at number eight as well, but I have a lot less optimism. I have him at a not really in sort of a praise type of light. I think it's more of a I'm putting him here because of what he did two years ago, but I'm scared to draft him type of way because this just isn't the same Colts team from Taylor's RB1 finish. And the thing with Taylor's RB1 finish is He was the worst fantasy running back one points per game wise of like the last decade. Like other RB1 finishes from guys like McCaffrey, Todd Gurley, David Johnson, light years ahead of Jonathan Taylor in terms of production, even Eckler's RB1 finish, just better. Mm. And with Taylor, I think that we're likely going to see that same uninspired Colts team that we saw last year with them picking Fourth, if there's any type of trade-up to the third overall pick, the Colts miss out on one of the three top rookie quarterbacks. And then what do you have? I mean, you have a Colts team with Will Levis. We don't know if Will Levis is going to give Jonathan Taylor the receiving volume that he would need to be an elite high-level fantasy first-round pick. It's also a deep running back class, and JT is near the end of his rookie contract. I think it's very likely that we see the Colts add in either a rusher behind JT that will steal some of his work or a Naeem Hines type of guy to take away receiving work. I also am a little bit worried with Taylor injury-wise just because of how reoccurring his injury was. With Tony Pollard, mm-hmm. one-time being ankle done, done for a year. JT it was just on and off Lingered. On and yeah. off, and that's the worst type of injury for fantasy. I find it hard as of right now to find myself taking JT in many leagues next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, part of my optimism for him is the Shane Steichen hiring. I think that adding in a, a really good rushing mind to be the head coach of the team, I think he's a, I think it's just going to open up the offense, especially – if we're able to go grab Anthony Richardson, because like I would take, I mean, I don't know this necessarily, but like going into last year, I think Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor going into last year, like not now, I think it sounds, you know, a little bit better than maybe Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders did. And
2: I think Shane sykens going to be able to open it up. That's what That's what I'm hoping well, for, at least. The one thing that I think to consider with that is a lot of the time new coaches and new GMs come in and they have a philosophy like that. They want to have their guy. And I think it could be concerning if Shane Steichen comes in to Indy and he's like, JT's on the end of his rookie contract. He's coming off of a lingering injury. And I don't see a top five guy out of him anymore. And he wants to grab his own running back to like bring up and be like his guy. You know how coaches always do with quarterbacks. If that happens at running back,
1: then JT's value is screwed.
0: Yeah, I might cry if that happens, to be honest with you.
1: Jet, (laughs) give me your number seven. Your number seven for me, a guy that also dealt with injuries last year, Cooper Cup. Um, You may remember he finished as the number one wide receiver in 2021 with that historic season with over 1,900 yards, uh, 16 touchdowns. Obviously, last year, the whole Rams team just fell apart. He was a part of that. Um, other guys around Matthew Stafford was injured guys on the defense were injured uh, but you know it's interesting with Cooper Cup he's kind of been the player where he's had an off year and then an on year I mean this goes back to 2019 he was the sixth the wide receiver six then the wide receiver 19 then the wide receiver one then the wide receiver 21 I mean I don't think we've seen the end of Cooper Cup I mean he's still one of the most talented receivers in the game as long as Matthew Stafford is back for another season and it looks like it's it's going to be the case uh, that connection um ever since they got together has blossomed ever since and with that connection still intact i get the rams are not the same team in their super bowl season uh but this could also mean that they'll potentially be trailing in a lot more games which opens up more opportunities for cooper cup to regain that high-end wide receiver one status i'm not too concerned about the injury um he's bounced back from injuries before and i think we see a, a nice season in 2023 from cooper cup It is a fact of
0: life that running backs do not finish RB1 back-to-back seasons. So, number seven is Austin Eckler. Obviously, a phenomenal season. Just last year, we all know that. Finishing as the RB1, we all know that. When was the last time an RB1 repeated? I would like to know. It's been a very long time, guys. It's been a very, very long time. Austin Eckler is no exception. Heading into his age 28 season, obviously more or less the complete same system, complete same scenarios around him, but he's a year older and a guy that has suffered injuries throughout his career. He's had two very, very healthy seasons. Again, I'm going to be scared of injuries and move Austin Eckler down to seven
2: on my board. So for me, I have a repeat of Cooper Cup. Jet and I have been really in sync with this i think that another talking point that he didn't mention was that last year before his injury people seem to forget the offseason debate was cup or jefferson as wide receiver one before cup goes down i mean he was kind of pulling away in that yeah. debate fantasy wise wide receiver one i mean he was on pace i think for the most receptions in the season to just take yeah over he, that was, he was blown up yeah. Oh, yeah and I think that Matthew Stafford is the X factor here I think that if he is just completely done then it's bad for Cooper Cup but I don't think he's completely done I think this is the last year that you're going to get good great level production out of Matthew Stafford and as long as that's happening no matter how good or bad the Rams are no matter how much help he has They're going to be consistent with playing Cooper Cup hero ball, and he's going to put up elite numbers.
1: Yeah, number six for me, a guy that it looks like I'm a little more optimistic about than the two of you. I have Jonathan Taylor at number six. And for me, uh, what I I see in him, uh, this is a guy that is only, what, 24 years old. Yeah, he's coming off of injuries in in his third season, but the guy wasn't going to stay healthy forever. That's just really hard for any NFL player to do. The good thing is that he is young and with him being young, his body is able to recover a lot easier than if he was an Austin Eckler or Derek Henry or someone of that nature. So with Jonathan Taylor, um, we know like we, we think he'll see the same volume and that that's my hope. And that's my inclination for having him this high. I get there's concerns about the the level of productivity we're going to see with this offense, whether it's Gardner Minshew starting or a rookie quarterback starting. There there are a lot of concerns in, in that regard, but he's still the focal point of this offense. He's still going to be the guy that gets those valuable touches near the red zone, is, and he's still going to have a shot at hitting 15-plus touchdowns. I mean, he has 12 in his rookie season, 20 in that RB1 season. Um, so for, for Jonathan Taylor, I chalk up that, that 22, 2022 season as just, you know, a season just mixed with bad luck. I think he has a bounce back season here, and he's right back up there with the top running backs in fantasy.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jet, you hear to hear first. Jet, part time Colts fan. Uh, thank Stop. you very much for that one. Number six for me is Saquon Barkley, and you guys heard a little bit about my optimism for him after Jet spoke. But just to summarize, I think that they opened up this offense a lot, and I think we're going to see a lot more good looks for Barkley. And he made a lot with a lot of bad looks last season, um, 26 years old at the moment, not super concerned about that, especially because he missed a complete season with an injury. Um, so I'm just going to call him 25. Why not? Saquon Barkley at number six.
2: For me at number six, I'm going to share the same skepticism that Tommy shared about Austin Eckler. I have him at six, but more so of my reasoning for why Eckler is sixth is that we all saw that Eckler requested a trade. Yeah. Eckler's, and I had many arguments in TikTok comments with this people that didn't understand it. Eckler requested the trade because he wants a contract. Right. And I was talking about how I don't think Eckler's fantasy value will be as good next year. And people were like, oh, he's just going to get traded to a contender. Eckler is an old running back that isn't good at establishing the run. He is not going to get a contract extension from a contender, a team like the Bengals. That's one that I saw getting thrown around a lot. He's not going to get it. If Eckler gets a contract extension somewhere, which I don't even know if he will find the money he's looking for anywhere. If he does, it's going to be a team like the Bears or the Texans or the Falcons. That's just a team with too much money to throw around. They're going to try and use him creatively to help Ease in their young quarterback, and I think that going to a team like that, his fantasy value could just be killed. I mean, I could see him getting traded to the Texans, being a one-two with Damian Pierce and being a security blanket for Bryce Young, and his fantasy value will be toast. His rushing work would be gone. His receiving upside, he'd get checkdowns from Bryce Young, but the receiving touchdown upside just went completely down the drain, and for the reasoning of being scared about where he plays football next year, I can't put Eckler any higher than
1: six.
0: Well, Jed actually just traded for Austin Eckler in a dynasty. league. Yeah. Right? I mean, I gave up nothing. That, I Jeff. gave
1: up nothing for him. So I uh, gave, gave up a second round pick. I, I don't, I don't think anyone would. Whoa, would a second would, rounder would, end end. Would say anything bad about it. I'll talk about Austin Eckler in a little bit, uh, but number, <laughs> number, number five, of course number you five will. for me, um, Travis Kelsey, and, and this is not something I had enjoyed putting him this high, but he he needs to be this high with with the production we've seen from him since 2016. I mean, he's not finished lower than the tight end too. Um, he's Patrick Mahomes' his number one target. I mean, he had he had over 1,300 yards, 150 targets, 110 receptions in 2022. It doesn't look like he's slowing down. Obviously, a little suck. If everyone starts to move him up this high their draft board, and then it starts to fall off, but I'm not going to predict that happening um, because I haven't seen anything to believe that Travis Kelsey is at a scarce position. He's he's one of I mean he's he's the only tight end. Let's be honest that you feel comfortable starting every week. Yeah, you can make an argument for someone like Mark Andrews or T.J. Hawkinson, but those guys aren't as consistent as Travis Kelsey. He is the guy that everyone looks up to at this position, and he's deserving of a top five pick. Number five for me is Cooper
0: Cup, and I think you guys are maybe disrespecting him just a tad. I mean, this is a guy that – and obviously I'm not going to get too deep into it because you guys both did. This is a guy that finished as a uh, wide receiver two in what was essentially eight games last season. He played like ten snaps of a ninth game, and he still finishes as the wide receiver 23 in PPR formats. And I think Cooper Cup, obviously, we know the talent that he have that he has – We know his ability to get open against zone and man coverages. And obviously we know Stafford has a very partial um, love towards Cooper Cup. So I think Cooper Cup, I think it's hard to see him falling outside of top fives. Um, I made the mistake of passing up on him last year for Najee Harris. I won't do it again, even though maybe it wasn't a mistake long run.
2: For me, and my next pick, I have Tyreek Hill. Okay. I think that he's being slept on by you guys for the fact that he finished so high amongst fantasy wide receivers with absurd production, just having three quarterbacks during the season. I mean, he has Tua, and then and they all three Teddy, sunk, too. And then he has Skyler Thompson, and then he has partial Tua, and yeah. then he has partial <laughs> Teddy. It was just unbelievable. And he's still put up consistent elite numbers week in and week out. And I think that Tyreek Hill could even be argued to be even higher because he gives you a ceiling that quite literally nobody else on planet Earth does when it comes to fantasy football. There is nobody that can just turn a one-yard pass into a 90-yard touchdown, that can turn a bad fantasy performance into a 40-point second half like Tyreek Hill can. I mean, he is just unbelievable and he's going into his second year with Tua everything is pointing to Tua being fully healthy and fully committed I mean the Dolphins immediately this offseason said yep he's our guy exercise is option no hesitation no Lamar Jackson rumors no nothing and Tyreek Hill I mean he's loving it in Miami he can't stop raving about Tua this year and last year and I think going into his second year there Fully healthy two all year, fully healthy him all year. The Dolphins are going all in for their Super Bowl window. Tyreek Hill's just the next level. I love it.
0: I love it. I don't I mean, I don't know about Super Bowl window, but just out of curiosity, absolutely just out of
2: curiosity, where do you have Jalen Waddell going? I think that he'll be probably towards the back end of the second, because I think that his production with Tyreek Hill still putting up the production that he did went really underrated i think something that a lot of people forgot was like because it got overshadowed when they traded for tyree kill was like i mean the waddle fantasy agenda was exploding before they traded for tyree kill because mike mcdaniel was going into his press conferences and they were like what are you excited about for miami he was like waddle 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 (laughs) and i think that going into a second year with him he's still going to find creative ways to use waddle they know that he's probably more so their wide receiver of the future than Tyree Kill just because of age disparities. And I think that Waddle is just going to be probably the best wide receiver, too, on a, a team in terms of fantasy production this year. So higher on him than T. I think that right now, just because there's the off chance that T. Higgins isn't even a bangle next year, I would say yes, because I also think that Waddle's points are easier to come by than T. Higgins' points. T. Higgins has a great fantasy game because he has, like, a 50-yard moss, a 40-yard touchdown. Jalen Waddle has a great fantasy game because he's getting, like, 10 intermediate targets a game mm-hmm. and he just turns on the burners which although t higgins is the best jump ball receiver in football it's easier to catch a slant and turn on the jets than high point jump ball every single drive you know so
0: yeah t higgins definitely is top two i would put him second behind michael pittman yeah. in, in jump balls but uh oh, jet who do you no, have <laughs> no, no jet, who do you not. have coming
1: in at number four Number four, uh, JB alluded to him taking a huge next step forward. Jamar Chase, for me, of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, we saw him finish as the wide receiver 15 in only 12 games, and he outperformed his receptions totals, targets. Um, he would have been well over 100 receptions, well over um, uh, uh, well over 1,000-plus yards, would have been in the double-digit touchdown department. Um, I, I think whether T. Higgins is here or not, uh, this offense is just so explosive and is going to score a ton of points every game that Jamar Chase is, is, the number one guy for a reason. He's Joe Burrow's number one guy for a reason. And I mean, he's only going into his his third season and we, we see a lot of receivers. They take that, that significant jump in their third year, obviously, you know, barring that he's fully healthy for a full season. This could be the year that Jamar Chase finishes as the overall wide receiver one. But uh, I think for him going at number four, for me, Um, it it just makes sense for where I see him going this year. Yeah.
0: Jet, you and I are in the same boat. I got to tell you, I have Jamar chase it for as well. For me, it's, it's like such a, there's such a connection between an elite quarterback and an elite receiver, especially when it dates back to college and they've never left it. They've had one year off of that elite connection. You know, they were elite in college. They've been elite in the NFL when they've both been on the field, obviously, um, the year that they missed it, Burrow was hurt anyway. So they I haven't even played a year to get, without each other since the college days. And I think there's really something to be said about that. And Jamar Chase, I agree with Jet. T. Higgins or not, he's going to get his targets. And his targets are almost always very, very valuable. And what I mean by that is like, you know, a target for maybe Debo Samuel could be like a, a very easily be a two yard slant over the middle, try to let him get open. Jamar Chase he's always he's always the guy that they're they're trying to feature so if they're trying to scheme someone open in the end zone he's going to be the guy if they're trying to scheme someone open over the middle of the field 30 yards down the field he's going to be the guy and for those reasons Jamar Chase comes in at four for me
2: for me at number four I have Saquon I think that now that he has he is at this point three years removed from the ACL tear last year he shut down any doubt about can he still play can he still produce in the lead level for fantasy I mean he proved that he was the whole offense and I think that at the beginning of last year when he saw him consistently putting up RB1 finishes I think that's the saquon that we're going to see more of this season not the saquon towards the back end of last season where it was like okay he's the whole offense they're only keying in on him and he's falling off a little bit for fantasy because that happened once the giants wide receiver room just turned into dust and once people realized okay saquon can still play we need to overcompensate and we need to change our entire game plan to him as i touched on earlier going into next year another year of development for Daniel Jones, Darren Waller is brought in, hopefully a speedy wide receiver in the draft is brought in. And so the Giants are going to be more dynamic, less stacked boxes against Saquon. Saquon's going to have the same, I hope, the same usage because of his connection with Dayball. He's going into another contract year because Mm -hmm. he obviously got franchise tagged. I think he's going to have that same killer mentality. I think he's going to put up another insane fantasy season. You can't go wrong taking
1: them this early for sure. Number three for me is Austin Eckler, and I'll, I'll make my case why. Um, obviously, <laughs> obviously, with Austin Eckler's style of play, he's not a guy that is going to run between the tackles for fifteen plus carries a game, and you know, be at risk for suffering significant injuries like a lot of running backs in the NFL do. He is a guy that is used heavily um, within the passing game; had over hundred receptions last year, um, and he has a knack for the end zone. I mean, at twenty touchdowns in twenty twenty one. 18 in 2022, there's there's no reason that that is not going to continue. Um, and we also have to look at the fact in 2022, the Chargers, with all the expectations they had coming into the season, they were not the team that everyone thought they were going to be. They had injuries to their wide receiver room. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams were in and out of the line. The offensive line was banged up all season. Rashawn Slater missed a significant portion of the season. Um, now you'll have a full offense Hopefully a full complement of weapons for Justin Herbert. Um, sure, the receptions may not be where it was for Austin Eckler because those 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 wide receivers will be there for, all, for, for a full season. But I, I think in terms of his rushing efficiency, I think we could see that take an increase with a healthy offensive line. The touchdowns are still going to be there because he's the guy in the red zone. And for me, I think the top three – is is the tier? Then the tier drops off for me. Uh, when, when you're talking about PPR guys and guys that are significant producers in terms of catching balls out of the backfield, like Austin Eckler does, um, there's no reason for at least me to to exclude him outside my top three. So you think Eckler's going to stay with the Chargers? When it's yes, in yes. I, this 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 ranking is with the fact that I think he'll stay with the Chargers. You, you made the point. I, I don't think anyone's going to give him that kind of money. And what he'll have to do is come to his senses that he wants to play. He's not going to not play. So he'll stick with the Chargers, accept whatever. Like, that's the thing. It, it, it's a it's a great point. Like, the style of his play is not worth the kind of money that a, a running back like a Derrick Henry is, is worth. It, it's just the nature of the, the position and the nature of what he's capable of doing. I think he stays with the Chargers. If he goes elsewhere, it, it definitely hurts his fantasy value because I, I don't think – there's a lot of other quarterbacks out there that would do what Justin Herbert does in terms of, and obviously Justin Herbert isn't a guy that just dumps off the ball, but if you, com- if you combine the ability for Justin Herbert to find Austin Eckler and his ability to find the end zone on a really good team, I just don't think that's a combination you would find anywhere else. Love the Homer pick there from jet. My number three is, is
0: number three for one reason alone. There's one single reason that he is not number one, and that is because his quarterback this year is trending towards being Trey Lance. Here's the thing. Christian McCaffrey is coming in at three Ah. for me, but here's the thing. Brock Purdy. You're a hater. hater. I am a hater, but that's not the reason. Brock Purdy and Jimmy G, what do they do when they're in trouble? They look for the check down. Trey Lance, when he's in trouble, he's going to look to scramble and I think that is going to hurt his fantasy value a little bit. I don't know how I'm considered a hater when I have him still being drafted at number three overall. Um, but regardless, I do think that is a, a thing to actually look into because it, it's just the nature of the, the running quarterback. If he has an opportunity to run or if everything else around him is broken down, he's going to look to his legs before like the, the, last, the last resort, which is usually either a check down. or or scrambling out of the pocket and then seeing what you can do from there. I think we see more scrambling and checkdowns from Trey Lance.
2: So before I touch on my number three, I think just to counter that, I think that with your whole description on what do Brock Purdy and Jimmy do versus what Trey does, a lot of the time, what do Brock Purdy and Jimmy G do? There's an open receiver downfield. They overthrow them, they underthrow them, they miss them. What do I think Trey Lance going into his third season, two years learning the system fully healthy, will do? He will prove why he was the third overall pick and he will make those throws. I think the 49ers offense will simply score even more than they have in the past, which is a scary thought because of how many weapons they have. And so I don't think that Trey Lance coming in is going to hurt Christian McCaffrey's value overall. I'm just going to spoil my list. I have him at number one. I think there's no debate on having Christian McCaffrey at number one. Ever since he joined the 49ers, he has just been the best player in fantasy, no other way around it. And you're talking about Trey Lance scrambling, but the way, that McCaffrey is used in Kyle Shanahan's system. It doesn't have to be those undesigned little dump offs. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is going to use designed runs, designed screens, designed quick throws. And Kyle Shanahan knows that he's the best playmaker on that offense. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is going to get the ball. And when he does, he's historically efficient with that San Francisco scheme and that San Francisco offensive line. And him being as talented as he is, he's going to have another RB1 level finish. No,
0: I agree. And and he is, he is my highest running back on the list. I'm not uh, just after the way last year went, I'm not super attached to running backs this season. Um, and, and, and. The web, but uh, it's all right. I'm hoping for a Trey
2: Lance downfall.
0: Who's your number three though?
2: So at my number three, I think that you guys have been sleeping a little bit on the positional advantage that comes with my number three overall pick, Travis Kelsey. He, I don't think that he's going to have some injury age fall off here this year. I just don't see it happening. That's at least another year or two, or maybe even three out at least. And the advantage that you get with Travis Kelsey is just absolutely unparalleled we all know that he's finished as a top two fantasy tight end every single year since 2016 but people don't realize just the gap that he has created creating a whole new tier for himself when it comes to fantasy tight ends i mean there are people i saw a cbs video talking about eliminating the fantasy tight end position because there are that many bad tight ends that you're having to start every week in 12 even sometimes 10 man leagues And then you have Travis Kelsey, who you know will give you at least 18 points per game and finishes likely the tight end one on the week every single week. The gap between starting Travis Kelsey at tight end and then, like, let's say Waddle or Amon Ra as your wide receiver one in the second round versus having, like, Jamar Chase as your wide receiver one and having, like, what? I mean, Dalton Schultz? Like... TJ Hawkinson, oh. like these are guys. I'm a dog believer. Not putting up, they're not putting <laughs> up the Travis Kelsey level numbers. They're not putting up anything close. And I'm mentioning guys that are going as like the fourth or fifth yeah. best tight end in fantasy. That's I real. mean, the gap between Travis Kelsey and starting like tight end 10, tight end 11 is just absolutely unbelievable. And with that positional advantage, I mean, I you could make a case for him even being the first overall pick. And I wouldn't even be that mad. I have Travis Kelsey
1: at three. Fair. Okay. Number two for me. And I think the reason I have Christian McCaffrey at two and not one is because I'm a little bit lower on Trey Lance. I, I'm not, I, I was never a huge fan, you know, coming out of the draft. Um, And I, I think for him, obviously it's been a struggle for him to stay healthy but even when he was healthy, he did have issues hitting some of those throws that, yeah, he very well could make. Uh, but I do think it also could take some time because he hasn't played a full season. He hasn't even played a, a full half a season um, as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And there's going to be a ton of rust, obviously, really immersing himself in this system that he has doesn't have a ton of experience with. Um, I think that could hinder the total offensive efficiency of this 49ers offense. But, however, it's it's still Christian McCaffrey. He is still the focal point of this offense. He's still going to get all the volume. I could see Trey Lance dumping off the ball to him until he really starts to establish himself as, as what he was expected to be coming out of the draft. So while I don't have Christian McCaffrey at number one, um he is still a top two player for a reason hasn't finished lower than an r b two in seasons that he was healthy. um he's a great player and and well deserved. you can make an argument for one, but i I'm just not making better right.
0: yeah, JB fantasy told me I wasn't high enough on Tyree kill and I'm here to tell him he's not high enough on Tyree kill because Tyree kill is my number two Tyree kill and and he put it best he really did he is the ultimate hybrid. He is like the ultimate gadget. It is like, okay, we need 14 yards on a pitch. Okay. Let's give it to our wide receiver. We need 75 yards. Can you burn your corner by 13 and a half yards? Sure. I'm Tyreek Hill. I'll do it. I don't know if you guys saw a clip of him running track, uh, that came out this off season. Yeah. Yeah, He, 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 he won his heat by like maybe nine steps in a 60 yard. No, I think it was a hundred yard dash, but it was, it was incredible. He's still, he's still that guy. He's always been that guy. I don't think no matter how bad Tua plays, Tyree Kill is still going to be able to, you know, go grab the football. Um, he just gets open. And, and when you get open, you get opportunities and I'm going to go ahead and use JB fantasy's word perfectly opportunity. He gets it. He will continue to get it. And until he stops getting it, I think there's no reason to see Tyreek Hill outside of the top five in any draft
2: board, especially if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, jet. So for me, at my number two, I have a guy that I think at this point has been revealed to be the number one in a semi-consensus. I have Justin Jefferson, reigning offensive player of the year. I can just be brief here. There isn't really much to be said about Justin Jefferson. I mean, I was huge on him going into this past season, getting that Kevin O'Connell system. I knew that Jefferson was going to explode. I had him as my wide receiver one in draft boards last year. I have him again this year because there is just no reason why the best wide receiver in football won't repeat another wide receiver one season for fantasy.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean he's he's about to have his he's about to have his fourth wide receiver one season, and the guy's twenty three. So, I yeah. mean it. The pace we're seeing is historic. Obviously, Jet and I are about to talk about him, uh, coming up here. So, Jet, you go first.
1: Yeah, for me, I, I don't even think we've seen uh, the best season from Justin Jefferson yet. Sure, he's had eighteen hundred receiving yards, but this is a guy that hasn't had over 10 receiving touchdowns yet. I think we could easily see a 15 plus receiving touchdown uh, season from him. Uh, Pair that with the fact uh, that he's going to get probably 1500 or even more yards than that. Um, And then when I look at Justin Jefferson, I think we could start to see the beginning of an Antonio Brown wide receiver one overall finish type run from him where he continues to be dominant over the next Two, three, four years and just cements himself as the wide receiver one in fantasy for quite some time. You talked about his age, Tommy. Uh that the sky's still the limit for him, and um, there's really not a lot, lot, not a lot of bad things you can say about him.
0: No, and and I'm not gonna beat a dead horse here to use Jet's favorite term, but um, you know, this is a guy I would not trade in dynasty formats. It's impossible to do so. <laughs> uh, Justin Jefferson is absolutely I mean, he's, he, he's just, he's the real deal. Like he was telling us like, damn, like I don't know how I got that open when, when they were in uh, OTAs and and it's like, well, yeah, you were going to get that open regardless of the scheme. You're just that guy. I think Kirk Cousins is the perfect quarterback, just like Ben Roethlisberger was to feed into a wide right. receiver, one wide receiver, one wide receiver, one. Like I think Jefferson's about to go on a run that is unprecedented, especially with how young he is like, he could have 10 wide receiver one finishes technically yeah. over the course of his career and still only be 30 years old. Like he could still be drafted within the top three rounds of any draft at that point. So and that's the thing. Justin Jefferson. Dynasty
1: managers thing? who traded him, they're yeah. going to lose out on seven oh, straight yeah. wide receiver one overall finishes. They failed
0: so, completely. What were they doing?
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
2: Justin Jefferson so, at one. Go ahead. For me, all this gassing up of Justin Jefferson. It's great for his future, but right now, the undisputed best player in fantasy has to be Christian McCaffrey. He had an argument for it when he was in Carolina, rotting sure. away on this horrible, horrible, horrible team. And he gets traded to San Francisco, elite coach, elite scheme, elite offensive line, elite weapons around him so that the defense can't fully focus on him. And he just explodes. He had no offseason, he had no training camp, he had no OTAs, he had nothing. I mean, he was in San Francisco at practice less than 48 hours after being traded from the Panthers, and he still goes on to be the best running back in fantasy for the second half of the season and almost leads the Niners to the Super Bowl. I think that when you factor in the fact he's an elite rusher, he's the best receiving running back in football. And you add in the efficiency that comes with the system that he's in and the offensive line that he has, no matter who's at quarterback for the 49ers, he is going to get it done at the best possible level. And with how scarce running backs are, there's nobody else who I think has an argument for the first overall pick. Okay.
0: So I do have a quick question for you then. What round could you potentially see yourself maybe saying Elijah Mitchell's still there? maybe maybe i could stash him let's see what happens what round
2: i don't know i mean we did touch at the beginning of this pod about how it's never too early for me yeah. it's a little bit too early for me to have those True. late late rounds mocked up yeah. really only i've really only dived into the early rounds at this point i think I that's have fair to you say know what? with elijah mitchell probably like I think once you reach like I mean it also depends on training camp rumors I mean obviously I'm not going to do any of my main drafts until after preseason and stuff so Mm -hmm. if training camp is like Shanahan's raving about Elijah Mitchell like Elijah Mitchell is going to get a third of the carries, Elijah Mitchell is going to be the 1B in the offense, Elijah Mitchell is going to get all the red zone work then he'd go up but as of right now I mean he's just kind of like a late round flyer because he he has produced for the Niners but he was like an undrafted guy that they signed I mean they have they owe nothing to Elijah Mitchell and the Niners have historically just replaced running backs like out of thin air with the snap of the fingers I mean Elijah Mitchell could very easily be the next one of them I mean think about a guy like Carlos Hyde like he was a great power back like Elijah Mitchell is boom gone he's done Okay, now we have Raheem Mostert, boom, gone. Raheem Mostert's done. Elijah Mitchell, I mean, oh, boom, we just traded for a running back to replace him. Elijah Mitchell has already proven that, I hate the term injury prone, but he might right. be injury prone. Yeah. And yeah. he's going into his third year as an undrafted running back on a, running, on a team that already has the best running back in football. I mean, he just doesn't have much value for me.
0: Yeah, it's probably, it's probably best not to think about the later rounds, because this time last year, I was a huge Marlon Mack guy. So uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe you got the right idea over there, JB Fantasy. I know. Well, actually, you know what? This is the first time we can actually, Jet and I, attest to the East and West splits. We're yeah. currently East and West split right now. Jet and I, you guys so, obviously know where we're located. That's true. We do have a West Coast guy on uh, on with us, yeah. and that's uh, that's uh, JB, Jet has this running joke where he always talks about if a, if a team's traveling from one coast to the other, it they'll matters. lose that game.
1: Not, not, <laughs> think, not all the time. He thinks they it, will it, always it, lose it, the it, game. No, not always. But it, it, affect, it, like, it, it affects the team. It does. Uh,
0: disagree, man. But not to keep JB fantasy for too long. <laughs> do have a couple last questions for you. Can you give me some players that you're looking – and I, I haven't prepared anything for this segment. I don't know if Jed has, but uh, I was planning on just asking. Is there any players that you're looking to bounce back or break out this season just based on what we've seen so far in the offseason or what we saw you know, last season? Anything that you're looking at as far as like, OK, this guy, maybe I can snag him in this round because people aren't ready for it type of thing.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'm going to kill two birds with one stone at first. I have two guys that I think will bounce back and break out at the same time that are a little bit more later round guys. The first guy is Rashad Penny. I know the injuries are a concern, but if you were fading players because of injuries, you missed out on Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley last year, two of the four best running backs in fantasy. I mean, Rashad Penny, for that five-week end of the season stretch in 2021, he was the best running back in fantasy. He was averaging seven yards per carry. And he had a slight slow start last season, but in the game before he got hurt, I mean, he put up like 27 fantasy points. Like he could have been well on his way to repeating that. And he did all of that as a Seattle Seahawk. And they drafted him in the first round of the real NFL draft in 2018 for a reason. I mean, he's this elite talent. And if he's healthy, man, he's going into a Philadelphia offense that just had Miles Sanders, a guy that people were calling a bust for fantasy year after year after year they had miles sanders like fourth and rushing i mean you put rashad penny that seven yards per carry type of guy in that offense behind that offensive line in that system and oh my gosh like the sky is the absolute limit and i talked about this on tiktok and all the rebuttals were health concerns which i get but Mm -hmm. you don't want to play scared especially in the late rounds because rashad penny isn't going to go in the first round But also, there were rebuttals talking about, oh, it's going to be a running back by committee in Philly. I mean, Miles Sanders had a 60% snap share last year. Like He was pretty clearly the lead guy, and that wasn't like reactionary to his play either. I mean, in training camp, they were calling him the guy. So, I mean, if Rashad Penny has a healthy training camp, he's miles better than Miles Sanders. He's (laughs) going to end up being the guy too and get that snap share and get that efficiency and get those touchdowns and if he is healthy the entire year, hot take it. Rashad's Penny healthy the entire year. He
1: finishes top five in fantasy. Wow.
0: wow. Okay. I really, so you're really, so you're really him not him. worried about Boston Scott and company at all. Or if dra- they, wo- they
1: draft someone.
0: Right. If they
2: draft someone, I'd be more
0: worried well, about different. that.
1: Boston Scott and company, I'm
2: not worried because I think that Rashad Penny is just so far beyond Miles Sanders talent-wise yeah. as a pure rusher. And they still gave Miles Sanders a sizable gap in terms of workload above Boss Scott and Kenneth Gainwell. And I will say, just because I'm not going to dodge them, the health concerns with Rashad Penny are very real. And that's why I do think a guy like Kenneth Gainwell is going to be a great late-round pick in fantasy drafts because i mean we saw he was popping off in the playoffs i mean one rashad penny injury and at that point like he might just have to hang up the cleats if he has another major injury and if that happens with the eagles offensive line and system and his pass catching abilities i mean kenneth gamewell could immediately become a fantasy rb2 if penny went down which is kind of likely so he's an amazing late late round target for me but i mean if penny's healthy i mean i don't know about you guys but i don't want to play scared in like the sixth round. I
0: do. Tommy
1: track. does. Tommy does. I'm yeah. a scared player.
0: Like I, I at have had that this philosophy. Point, I have this philosophy that if you, uh, you can't win in the first round of your draft, but you can definitely lose. And I think that I, I, I think that reigns true. I, I drafted I McCaffrey. That I've been there.
2: I think you can flip that around and say you can't lose in the sixth or seventh round right. of the fantasy draft. True. Like if you draft Rashad Penny and he shatters his ankle week three, like okay, you still have your That's five true. best players. But if you draft Rashad Penny in the sixth round and he's healthy the entire year with his efficiency and his talent behind that Philly offensive line, I mean, you may have just won your league. So. And what what would you chalk up his slow
0: start last year to before he got injured? What do you think? Just.
2: I, I don't think. Know. It may have just been a little bit of rust. I mean, they really ran the wheels off of Penny those last five weeks of that last Russell Wilson year. I mean, they just ran him to the ground. And I think that he may have been a little bit rusty also because he has just been injured so much that he has not gone through a full NFL season. So I don't think either mentally or physically he was prepared for end of this season, season, off-season, off-season training, start of this season, and just being great the whole way through. I think that that showed when right before his injury, he was looking just like his old self. He put up like 150 yards on the Lions. And I think that if he's healthy in Philly, he's just going to explode. I have, for my second bounce-back breakout player, I have Elijah Moore just got traded to the Cleveland Browns. I think he could absolutely explode there and be one of the best wide receiver teams in all of fantasy because he's a guy, 34th pick in the draft. He obviously has the talent. It's not like we've been years removed from that. He's still that guy that the Jets drafted. The Browns went out and got him, even though the reports were saying that he wasn't available. I mean, they want him to be in their system. And I think that he's absolutely going to flourish. I mean, with Elijah Moore, we saw the success that Deshaun Watson had with Will Fuller back in 2020 with that speedy deep threat. I mean, Deshaun Watson and Elijah Moore, Deshaun Watson, after a year back from being a year removed of football, I think he'll be more so back to that prime Deshaun Watson that we all knew with the Houston Texans. We've also seen not only a history of Deshaun Watson succeeding with deep threats, we've also seen a history of wide receiver twos alongside Amari Cooper being very True. successful for fantasy. I mean, we saw even when Cooper was wide receiver one in Dallas, CeeDee Lamb putting up great fantasy numbers as a young guy. When he was emerging as the top wide receiver on the Raiders, Michael Crabtree still consistently being a solid fantasy wide receiver three, fantasy wide receiver two. Elijah Moore, is going to be the next guy in line with that. And when you pair that with the fact that he's another deep threat for Deshaun Watson, and he's a guy that's had proven fantasy success when he was in his rookie year before he got injured for a five-week stretch, he was the wide receiver to in all of fantasy. I mean, he was that good. And Elijah Moore was an elite fantasy wide receiver as a rookie with Zach Wilson (laughs) throwing him the ball. I mean, just imagine if Deshaun Watson could be 80, 85, 90 percent of his Houston Texans self and he has Elijah Moore running deep routes for him. I mean, the sky is just going to be the absolute limit when he's let out of the New York dog pound and he can just go crazy in Cleveland. So
0: I take it you're not a huge Donovan Peoples-Jones guy.
2: No, just because they went out and did this for Elijah Moore. I think that if you're really confident in DPJ to be your wide receiver too, you don't have rumors circulating all offseason with DeAndre Hopkins, with Odell, and then you actually pull the trigger for a guy like Elijah Moore. I think if you're confident in DPJ, you don't do all of that. You just don't. And so I think that he – can be like a late round flyer if one of the higher wide receivers gets hurt or if you're in a bye week pinch and you're praying that he has one of those random 40-yard touchdowns but other than yeah. that I mean, oh wow. well
0: Jed, anything else for jb fantasy
1: i know i know we're we run a little bit late on time but if you can just kind of up really quickly, like what your general strategy is when you're attacking a draft. I don't know if it's changed from last year going into this year, but just kind of a quick little summary of that.
2: Yeah, for sure. For me, my strategy is completely contradictory to Tommy's. I like to go all in on the high ceiling guys, because I think that once you're like two or three weeks into the season, For most of your draft picks, it's become completely clear whether they were hit or whether they were a miss. And then you have the whole rest of the season make waiver wire additions, make trades. And if you just pick the safest possible team, I mean, a guy like Stephon Diggs is great. If you pick him in the first round, you know, he's going to finish as like wide receiver five behind all the other elite game-breaking speed guys like Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase. I mean, he's going to be great, but he just isn't going to be the best. And then if you go into your second round and you're like, oh man, I just, I just want to get someone safe. Like, give me like Amon Ross St. Brown. Okay. He'll finish us again. Like wide receiver six or seven or eight or nine or 10, but he won't be the best. He doesn't have that extra gear. And if you just take that mindset into every single round of your draft, I mean, your team is just going to be mid and,
1: Well, Tommy, knows I play about fantasy.
2: That. Uh, I, I play fantasy that, actually. to try and win championships. I mean, yeah. I'd rather just it's week three, and I'm like, man, <laughs> like if it was last year and it's week three, and I'm like, man, I completely read the room wrong on Najee Harris. I completely like misinterpreted what was going to happen with Kyle Pitts and DeAndre Swift. Like, now it's time to make trades, and now it's time <laughs> to get active on the waiver wire. Then you have like, a whole new level of excitement of trying to fix your team and it'll feel so much better if you end up winning the championship off of that i'd rather have that or know that you nailed on all your picks and all of a sudden you're light years ahead of your opponents in the league i mean just imagine if like first round you go tony pollard second round you go kenneth walker third round you go like a crazy high ceiling wide receiver and your later rounds you get like rashad penny Right, and then all of a sudden, like every single one of those picks bangs, yeah. And everyone's unfatable. looking at your team, everyone and on draft. Like, how, at your how, team how did you get are. that team? Yeah. yeah, and I think that you played. I mean, nobody plays fantasy football and is like, man, like I want to avoid last place, like, man, I want to finish like fourth this year. Like, no, you want to win. And so, I that's like top
0: the three strategy. finishes.
2: Stop. That's the <laughs>
1: I know I I gotta be honest I do know people that just aim for a top three finish I don't get it like I I go for it but um it's a yeah no that that's a very interesting point I I I don't hear a lot of that kind of strategy and I I kind of like it I not gonna lie I may take a page out of your book
2: for sure yeah
1: <laughs> because I think that especially
2: mid season it's gonna be a lot easier like week three week four to try and sell someone on the upside of a guy that you pick that flopped like maybe last year like week four you're like oh no man like DeAndre Swift is gonna turn it around or do something like that as opposed to like okay my team is like two and two and my roster is incredibly mid but I'm still like attached to all these guys because they're still high level starters and I don't know how to make my team better without overpaying because like if you have just that mid level team, like you're going to end up losing a trade to try and make your team better. Like you're going to end up having to package like Jalen Waddle and Alan Ross St. Brown for someone like Jamar Chase. Like you're going to have to overpay to try and get that superstar for your team. And it's better to just try and become a negotiator than to just have to overpay off of the mid players to try and succeed. That's awesome. That's a great point.
0: If I'm looking at a waddle Lamont ra receiving core, though, I don't know if I'm looking to make a trade. I know,
2: I know but I, I was just kind of using that. As no, I, 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 like, no, I, I, I wasn't saying that. saying that they're bad yeah. in any way. I yeah. mean, those are great elite level. No, players. yeah, I was just kind of trying to draw something up. I mean, that was unscripted. No, I, I, <laughs> oh, you didn't. You didn't get the <laughs>
0: what's it called? Those stupid no. things that give it Joe Biden reads. <laughs> JB Fantasy,
2: everybody. Any closing remarks? Not really, man. I mean, this was a great episode. I mean, I think that a lot of good information was poured out from all three of us. I mean, there was some good debates on the players. I mean, I definitely think that some of what you guys said has factored into my rankings, taking it into account. And I just think it was a great time. Yeah.
0: Awesome episode. Thank you very much for coming on. I'm I'm sure everyone enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed our yes. time together uh, at JB Fantasy on TikTok. Everybody, I can personally vouch they are must-watch videos every single time. I've never seen him pop on my for you page and said, "Nah, not right now." He definitely has the insight. He I gotta start using TikTok. News. I
1: gotta start using TikTok more now, now that now that we have our our guest from from that's primarily on TikTok. So I'm I'm, got on. TikTok I hope you're right following. Now. I hope I'm you're following. It, I'm doing you, it right bro. now. I'm doing, that's I'm doing, I don't I like TikTok you. that much, so I just gave you a follow. <laughs> there you
2: go. For
1: sure. At
0: JB Fantasy, everybody. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah. Thank you, guys.
0: Well, Jet, again, it looks like we have run out of time. How many fingers would you need to count how many times we've skipped the segment due to the fact that we ran out of time?
1: I can't do it on both hands. Unfortunately, that's just the nature of how this show flows sometimes. I mean, we get so caught up on these intense topics. I mean, JB mm-hmm. brought the heat, brought the he fire, brought, brought the flame. He is him. Like, we talked about guys in our top 12 that are him.
0: He doesn't have rosters that are
1: mid. Yeah, he has that dog in him. He does. He does. He, does.
0: he definitely does. Uh, and, you know, those of you keeping track at home, just, you know, I'm going to go ahead and sell the score here. Yes, when Jet says he can't count it on both of his hands, that means obviously it has happened more than 11 times yes. over the course of this show because we do know about his left hand issue yep. uh, and the extra finger on it. Jet, you have received an encrypted message, and it is obviously WOT, WOT, where to yeah. say.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Go ahead and run us through what our word of the day is, please.
1: And why not? Why not maintain the theme? Because right. this, this show has been all about fantasy football. So why, in, in case you're new to the show or new to fantasy football, why not give the definition for it? And there's you know, numerous definitions out there. But our friends over at Urban Dictionary always have us covered. And the definition we have for you today, a game for grown men that makes them regress back to childhood Wherein they will turn on their best friends, argue to the death about anything, and become lifeless shells of their former selves. Um, for additional context, um, this is a, a role play between Rick and Rod. Tommy, if you want to the <laughs> honors of being Rod, I'll okay. be Rick. And then we can kind of showcase what this word actually means in a sentence. So, okay. here we go. You hear Tim got divorced, lost his house, and got committed.
0: Fantasy football, dude. Fantasy football.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's. Short. I think it's, it's fair. It's, it's some that are, it's, it's something Amazing. that are pretty good. I mean, people people will do will go the extra crazy mile. Things. Crazy thing. Make lengths. sure they have you know a, a fantastic team. Um, right. Yeah, like it's it's um it's pretty crazy what some people will do. Um, and we're part of it. We're part of the cult, the fantasy football mm-hmm. cult. And I don't think we're stopping. It's a drug that we're addicted to, and I'm gonna right. keep popping fantasy football pills. So. yeah,
0: no, I've added to my daily rotation. I take vitamins beginning and end of every day. They include various amounts of pills, but, you know, fantasy football pill day in, day out, 100% of the time it's there. Jet.
1: Yeah. I don't blame you. And I think I, JB, I think JB fantasy, if you was still here would, would definitely agree. I mean, yeah, I I agree. I, I think you may need to send over those supplements to me because. Well, looking back, I think maybe you should have had him. Read word of the day. He would have enjoyed it. I think. I don't know if he would have preferred to play Rod or Rick. Um, yeah, <laughs> but obviously one of us would have been left out on this because there's no third person in this role play. Well, but I, I could be. I could be Jay Schlong. Well, I was gonna say this. This definition <laughs> was brought to you by Jay Schlong, way back in October 2010. Roth wrote up this masterpiece for us. But yeah, fantasy football. Fan it's just an issue. My parents have noticed it while watching sneak peeks um they they flip the phone over sometimes when they're watching the episodes and they they can't get over this habit i have but uh it's not a habit man he told he broke it down for us it's about the hair follicles (laughs) that
0: get into the other hair follicles we get it
1: yeah uh, i don't want we don't want to get into that (laughs) (laughs) again
0: thank you everyone so much for listening to episode 77 of the 25 8 sportscast i am the sole host tommy fink and obviously jet was along with me today jet closing remarks
1: yeah, please give JB Fantasy a follow on TikTok. Is that... At
0: JB Fantasy. Yes, pretty, pretty,
1: pretty simple. How's a ton of great if content you listen to on this, there.
0: If you listen to this and you don't follow I'm going to assume you're an idiot. Yeah. I mean, or you don't know how to spell which in turn you are an idiot.
1: We expect so, to see his followers take a significant increase after this episode is released. If it doesn't, we may just end the show. Whoa. Before episode 100?
0: <laughs> Hi, Carly's one hundredth web show spectacular. Come, Come on, right, yeah, we man, about that. We'll go, we'll go, we'll go to one hundred and then stop if he doesn't right. doesn't get an increase. Tom, deal? Tom. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. I'm Tommy. That was Jet, and this is the twenty five eight Sportscast. Cast.